Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, please. We're teaching a series on authority and and, uh, spiritual authority and dominion. And uh, we're, uh, well, I'm kind of stuck here. Seems like I can't get away from Genesis 1.26. And there are things that, uh, that the Lord is opening my eyes to, thank God, and uh, things that I want to share with you. And it seems like every time I share something, begin to teach a little bit of it on the, in the service, then uh, that opens the door for God to speak to me about it in a greater way after the service is over. So for that reason, we've gone over some, some of the uh, same material a couple of times. I don't think that'll hurt any of us because none of us get it the first time we hear it anyway. But uh, we may do some of that tonight. Tonight I want to talk to you about authority and sovereignty. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 is the story of creation. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over, over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. We've said over and over again, and I want to keep saying it, and I want to keep saying it this way. It is without dispute that God created man for the purpose of having dominion on the earth. God made man the ruler over the works of his hands. Now, I'm going to, uh, well, I don't know if, I, if you need to turn there or not. I'm going to look at, at Psalm 15, 115, verse 16, and then a couple other scriptures related to this. It says, Psalm 115, verse 16, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. Notice that the Bible tells us, and there are other scriptures we could go to. We could go to Psalm 8, which talks about the angels that looked at man at creation, made in the image and likeness of God. In other words, made an exact duplicate of God himself. The angel said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? You made him a little lower than yourself. King James says angels, but the word angels there is the word Elohim which speaks of the Godhead. Thou hast made him a little lower than, than yourself and crowned him with glory and honor and given him dominion over all the works of your hands. The Bible says over and over and over again that God made man to be the ruler over everything God created. Well, how is it seeing that truth, having enough scriptural evidence to build a doctrine off of it, with very clear understanding. How is it that so much of the church world believes that God's in control of everything? How can man have been given dominion over the works of God's hands and God be in control of everything? It seems to me that if God was in control of everything, the first thing that he could have done and should have done would be to stop Adam from eating of the forbidden tree. Now, why didn't he? So many times, so many Christians seem to have the idea that God's in control. That's become a popular saying throughout the years. God's in control. If God's in control, what's he doing? Because a lot of things that are going on in the earth are contrary to his will. And so that would mean God is working and in control of activity that's contrary to his will. Well, that would kind of make God schizophrenic, wouldn't it? But the reality is this, Psalm 138 verse 2 says, God has magnified his word above his name. Now his name stands for and represents all of his power. So it's certainly true that that God can do anything within the boundaries of his word. See, there are some things God cannot do. And I know that, that rankles some people. They get their religious hackles up when you say something like that. But for example, God cannot lie. So that's something that he can't do. Now, why can't he lie? Because he's bound himself to his word. And so in many cases, the ability of God 
as important as it might be for us to recognize the unlimited power he has. But in many cases, his power is an irrelevant fact. Because God gave control of all the works of his hands, which is the earth and the fullness thereof, into man's hands. Now, when God told man to subdue the earth, he told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, dress and keep the garden and and bring it under subjection. What is he telling him? He's telling him that the world is under your control. If something gets out of order, don't call me. Don't look to me to fix it. You're in control. Now, that is without dispute. Nobody would argue that. The Bible is so crystal clear on that that it's without any opportunity for anybody to dispute that. So here's the question. At what point did God go back on his word and take things back over? Well, let's say it this way. At what point did he rescind the command to man to subdue the earth, bring it under subjection? If God has rescinded that command, then that makes him a liar. If God has stepped back in and taken control here in the earth and operate as so many people do, so many people believe, according to the sovereignty of God doctrine or theory, then that makes God a liar. Does it not? Now, I guess some people could say, well, when man fell, then he took things back over. Well, didn't God know what was going to happen before it happened? And wouldn't God have been unjust and untruthful by not saying to Adam, now I'm temporarily giving you control over everything under my hands. But it won't be this way forever. No, folks, the Bible says the word of God is eternal. But now we've got a problem. Because we've got scriptures like Psalm 24, verse 1, which says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We've also got a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, which says Satan is the God of this world. So who's in charge? Who's in charge? Well, I want to submit to you. Hopefully through the teaching tonight, you're going to understand three different words. Earth, world, and age. In Psalm 24, verse 1, where it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The word earth there is the word that means planet. Now, that's not literally the meaning. It literally means firmness talking about the land but it's referring to and speaking to the planet well god's the creator of the planet isn't he and so in that sense he's the owner but that was what he put in man's hands in the garden of eden that's what he charged man to keep and to subdue bring it under subjection see god knew that man had an enemy but probably Well, certainly before man ever found out. And so he was supposed to bring it under his subjection to subdue it according to the power that God had given him and the authority that he commissioned and commissioned unto him. So the earth belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's. But now what happened when God created the earth? Well, the Bible tells us that in six days he made everything that was made. And at the end of the six days, he looked at it and said, everything is very good. That's a way of saying everything was perfect. Now, what did perfect look like? Well, there was nothing that could harm man. There was no presence of sin, no sickness, no disease, no lack. There was not a tree that didn't produce fruit. There was not a flower that didn't bloom. There was not a brown blade of grass. Everything was perfect. 
literally the Bible says not only was it created after its own kind, it says that everything was created after God's own kind. Speaking of perfection. Now, what did the earth look like when it was in a perfect state before the fall of man? Well, could we say that the system of the world was the kingdom of God? Would that be an accurate statement? It's the kingdom that God created. It's the system that he, he originated. What would the system, the world system or the kingdom of the world that God created be if not the kingdom of God? Is everybody with me on that? You understand where I'm coming from? Now, what changed when man fell? The world system. The Bible says in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man, speaking of Adam in the Garden of Eden, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin. And so death has passed upon all men. Remember the commandment that God gave Adam. He said, you can eat of every every tree of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Amplified says, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and blessing and calamity. When Adam and Eve fell, disobeyed God and fell, the world system or the kingdom of God, the kingdom that God created, the kingdom that was perfect, became subject to the law of sin and death. Everything about this world system became perverted. Sickness came on the scene. Why? Because the health that is a byproduct of the life of God became subject to the influence of the law of sin and death. Fruit trees began to be barren. Grass began to die. Flowers failed to bloom. In other words, the perfection of God was tainted by the spiritual death that passed upon all men. Now, in John chapter 15, let me read something to you. You're going to be familiar with this scripture. But Jesus is talking to his disciples on the night that he's betrayed. And I want you to see what he says here. Where is it? Uh, Verse 18. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Now, there are many other scriptures we could use. There are many other places where this word is used. But the world, the word world is the word cosmos and it means the world system and Jesus is saying the world system hates the followers of Jesus why because the world system that was created to be the kingdom of God which was God's intent from the beginning is still his intent now remember Jesus told the disciples to pray our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that prayer? Jesus is telling them to pray, so it's got to be the will of God. He wouldn't tell them to pray something contrary to God's will, would he? He's telling them to pray that the kingdom of God would be restored on the earth. Well, what does the kingdom of God look like? The kingdom of God looks like what's happening, the way things are in heaven. How are things in heaven? just like they were on the earth before man fell. Nothing to hurt, harm, or destroy. No sickness, no disease, no lack. Nothing but perfection. That's God's will for this earth. That's why he created it as such. And if not for the law of sin and death that came upon all man because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, it would still be in that condition. Now, the third word that I want you to see, we've talked about earth, meaning the planet. 
The Bible says the earth, the planet, belongs to God. But that's what he put under man's authority and control. The world system now is different. As a matter of fact, let me, uh, let me read a verse of scripture to you. Let me see if I can find it. I think it's Psalm 82. Psalm 82. I tell you what, why don't you look at Psalm 82 with me? Because this speaks of dominion and authority as well as making the other point that I wanted you to see. Psalm 82 says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. The word God is the word Elohim. The word mighty is the word El that you get Elohim from. So he says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. The second word gods is the word Elohim. Now, who is he talking about? Well, it'd be real easy for us to say, well, Elohim always refers to the Godhead. Okay, well, let's consider that for just a moment. Verse 2, he goes on to say, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? So who is, he, who is the psalmist accusing by the Spirit of God? Who is the psalmist accusing of judging unjustly? God the Father, God the Son, or the Holy Ghost? That can't fit. Well, then who's he talking about? Notice, skip down with me to verse 6. He said, I have said you are God's. And all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. In other words, what he's saying is he's saying this is the way God created man. This may be hard to accept for some, but it's literally saying God made man to be the God of this earth. That's why he created him in his likeness or in his image and after his likeness. But I want to read the whole thing here because I want you to see something else in context. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty and judges among the gods. Elohim standeth in the congregation of the El. He judges among the gods or the Elohim. He's saying man has, is mighty, has been created to be mighty by virtue of the fact of the position in which he was created. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Well, those would be people that would be subject to the law of sin and death, wouldn't they? They're operating sinfully or unrighteously. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Defend the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. Now, please notice verse 5. Pay attention to verse 5. It's something that we usually read and read right over it if we ever get over to this psalm to begin with. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. Jesus said that, the, that we've been translated, or Paul said, excuse me, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Talking about the kingdom of light. So the kingdom that's governed in Influenced by the law of sin and death is talked about and called the kingdom of darkness. So notice where it's speaking of. It's speaking of this present world system. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. Notice the last phrase. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. What does that mean? That means the world system that we're living under now is not the way God created things to be. They're out of course. They've been moved. The foundations of the earth have been moved. It was once and originally the kingdom of God. Now it's the kingdom of darkness. Influenced by the law of sin and death. Now the third word that I wanted to, that I mentioned to you earlier is the word age. We've talked about the earth, meaning the planet. That belongs to God. It was placed under man's control. We've talked about the world system. There's any number of things we could call it. The present world system is under the influence of the law of sin and death. And then the third word is the word age. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, here's where this word is used. It's not used many times in the New Testament. But here's the, the significant one for our discussion tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. 
in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. In other words, it's calling Satan the God of this world. Now, the word world is not the word cosmos. It does not mean world system. It means age, time period. Now, the Bible doesn't even say that Satan is the God of this world system. He's the one that tempted Eve and influenced Adam for this world system to come into being. But it was Adam's sin. It was Adam's disobedience to God. It was Adam bowing his knee through obedience to what the devil told him to do that brought this world's this present world system into being, the kingdom of darkness. Now, I want you to notice something, folks. When Jesus was walking on the earth, there were many things that he did that we consider to be miraculous. Every miracle that Jesus did was just a revelation of the kingdom of God. So turning water into wine must be part of the kingdom of God. Multiplying loaves and fishes must be part of the kingdom of God. Walking on the water must be part of the kingdom of God. In other words, a man operating under authority, even the authority of the old covenant, which was not the same authority, not the same measure of authority, we'll say, that Adam had before the fall. But just operating without sin, according to the old covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, enabled Jesus on several occasions to supersede the laws of nature. Now, the reason I bring that up is because I want you to realize what the Bible indicates to us as to the extent of the authority that God gave over into the hands of man to keep this world in order. I want you to notice something else. When Jesus was in the ship, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. And he went to sleep. And then the Bible says there was a great storm of wind that arose. And the ship started to fill with water and the disciples came to Jesus and they were afraid. And they said, Master, we're about to die. Don't you want to wake up for this? And Jesus stood up. And what did he do? He rebuked the wind and the waves. He did not rebuke Satan. Why did he not rebuke Satan? Because Satan is not the God of this world system. Well, why did the wind of the great wind of storm and the waves come up? Because of the perversion that Adam's sin brought upon the world system. We know that John 10.10 says that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, but that the thief, meaning the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If the devil is in charge of the world, if he's the one that's ruling the world system, which would give him authority in the planet Earth, why does the devil not just cause massive earthquakes everywhere to kill everybody all at once? The Bible says his purpose, his whole purpose, is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now think about the victory that he would win if he created these calamities, these catastrophes, all over the world, all over the earth, in a moment of time. The people that are saved are already saved. They could go to heaven. But the people that are unsaved would die without any hope of ever being reached with the gospel. Wouldn't that be a big victory for him? That would be the greatest victory for him. He'd be able to spit in God's eye and say, this man that you created, I wiped him out in one stroke. Why does he not do that? For the same reason that he threatens you with sickness and disease to take your life. Why does he threaten you? Why didn't he just do it if he has the power? The reality is he's not in control of this world system. 
Well, what's he in control of? Go back to 2 Corinthians 4. Let's read it in context. Let's back up a verse and read it in context. Beginning in verse 3, Paul is writing, he said, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom? In the lost. The God of this world, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. What was Satan's attack against Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? It was a mental attack. He reasoned with them to influence them to disobey God and to obey him. How does Satan work against the lost? Paul said he blinds their minds to the truth. He's still influencing their minds. If you went over to Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about putting on the armor of God and standing against the wiles of the devil... The word wiles means trickery. It literally means traveling over. Paul is saying in the original language that there is one and only one road the devil travels. And it's the road to the mind. I think the church world, Christians worldwide, give the devil way, way, way too much credit for stuff that's going on. An earthquake happens. Most of the church says that God is sovereign and God did that for some great reason. A small portion of the church says God's not behind that. God only does things that bring life. God's not in the business of killing people. That was the work of the devil. And both are wrong. Jesus said, and it was Luke chapter 13, I believe, Jesus talked to his disciples and he said uh, uh, there was something that had happened. There was a tower. And I think it was, uh, well, I don't remember what city it was. I, I think I remember, but I don't know for sure, so I won't say it. But there was a tower that fell and several people were killed. And Jesus asked his disciples, he said, do you think that the people that were killed were more unrighteous than everybody else? And that's why the tower fell on them. Why didn't Jesus give credit to the devil? Why didn't he say this is the devil stealing, killing, and destroying? In fact, the only thing Jesus said is, except you repent, you'll perish just like they did. In other words, he's talking about salvation as being the relevant issue, not natural calamities. Why do calamities and catastrophes happen in the earth? Because the kingdom of God has been perverted into the kingdom of darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course from the way that God created them. Well, then what is Satan's power? Satan's power is against your mind. His power is against your mind. What's he trying to do? What's his attempt? His attempt is to influence you to take action contrary to your own best interest. He is attempting to influence you through your thought life to speak and act contrary to what God's word says. Why? Because that is an exercise of authority that brings to bear what you've said and acted on. Does any of this make any sense? Well, where's the sovereignty of God? Again, if God's in control, he's got the world in a mess. If God's in control, then he's controlling the advancement of darkness and sin. If God's in control, then he's behind the world getting worse and worse and men getting more and more evil. Because he's the one that prophesied and said that that's the way it would be. Would that not be impossible for God to work against righteousness? If God's working against righteousness, then that makes him evil. God's not evil. The Bible says God's not even tempted with evil. Neither tempts he any man with evil. So this idea that God is taking children to heaven because he needs another flower up there or something, whatever the phrase is supposed to be, 
or killing people in car wrecks or breaking people's arms or legs to send them to the hospital so they can get saved or whatever the, the other foolishness that people claim to be God at work cannot be God. Well, then why do the things happen to us that happen? For the most part, because it's a part of the kingdom of darkness. It's just the residual effect of the law of sin and death that's in operation in the earth. Now, I want you to see a couple of things. Look with me to... uh, uh, Where do I want to go? Gotten off track, trying to follow the Holy Ghost here, and now I'm off. Look with me to Psalm 8. I think we referred to this before, but maybe it'd be a good idea to, to read this. Here's a Psalm of David, beginning in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Now, I want you to notice something. Before David starts talking about the authority that God gave unto man, he speaks something that is often overlooked, it seems to me. And that is this. He says that the least in the kingdom of God, the most spiritually immature baby that there is in the kingdom of God, has authority to stop the devil in his tracks. Now, where is that authority or how is that authority exercised? Notice he says out of the mouth of even babes and sucklings. God has ordained strength. That shows us how God intended for man to exercise authority in the earth. It shows us how Adam exercised authority before the fall. It shows us how God intends for man to exercise the authority to to continue in the fulfillment of his commandment to subdue the earth out of the mouth. He said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou, God has ordained strength. Because of thine enemies. See, if we didn't have an enemy, there would be nothing to exercise authority over. If we didn't have an enemy, if Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden and there is no devil present in the earth, he has no reason to exercise authority over anything. It's a perfect world. It will continue on in perfection. But because we have an enemy... There is a means whereby God has ordained strength. Now remember we read just a few minutes ago in Psalm 82. Where it says God Elohim standeth in the congregation of the mighty. El. He judges among the Elohim. He's talking about man. How is man intended by God? How was he created by God to be mighty? Through the words of his mouth. Through the words of his mouth. You remember over in Luke chapter 4. When Jesus was tempted of the devil. It says he was anointed of the Holy Ghost. And then the Holy Ghost led him out into the wilderness. He spent 40 days out there praying. Getting ready for his ministry. He returned in the power of the spirit. But before he returned the devil tempted him. He's been fasting for 40 days. And the first thing that the devil did was tempted him according to his physical body. Now, folks, remember, Jesus said that the physical body is the means of authority here on the earth. It's your body that gives you authority on the earth. You lose your authority when you leave your body. You meaning your spirit. People who depart from their body, their spirits either go to heaven or they go to hell. There is no middle ground. There is no holding place. They change location. They don't cheat and steal and lie anymore. In fact, the only action that I'm aware of that somebody continues on the earth after they leave their body is to vote Democrat. Besides that, There is no interaction on the earth any longer. It is your body that gives you authority on the earth. 
It is your words that is the exercise of that authority while you're here. So he says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, the smallest, weakest one there is, can exercise strength and be mighty. This is what Paul is saying when he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He's not talking about being strong in yourself. Now, the Bible says grace and peace are multiplied through knowledge, but it doesn't even say strength is multiplied through knowledge. Because strength is part of the authority that every believer has. Now, not every believer knows what they have, and so not every believer exercises or uses it. But every believer has authority. Truth be told, every man has authority. Man meaning mankind, not male. So he says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. I didn't finish with the temptation of Jesus. He was tempted first to uh, satisfy his physical needs. If you be the son of God, command these stones to be made into bread. How did Jesus stop the enemy in his case? He answered, It is written. He didn't say, Mr. Devil, you don't understand who you're dealing with. I'm the son of God. I could do away with you in a moment of time. Next thing the devil did is he took him, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He said, I'll give you all this power of these kingdoms if you'll fall down and worship me. What did Jesus say? Oh, he he continued and the devil said, for that has been delivered unto me. Well, Pastor Mike, that sounds like the devil is in charge of the world system. No, he influences the world system and kingdoms of this world the same way he influences you and me or tries to. And that is by speaking thoughts to the mind. He's influencing world rulers, not the world system himself. Or he's influencing it, but he's not in control of it. Because these world rulers can either operate in concert with the devil or in opposition to him. You go back and study the kings of Israel. Most of them were wicked, but every now and then there'd be one or two that would be righteous in the sight of God. What does that mean? Does that mean the devil just left those alone? Those one or two that operated righteously? No, that means they didn't yield to his influence. So the third temptation was the devil took him to the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down for it is written. He quoted scripture. For it is written, the angel shall bear thee up in thy wings, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered and said, it's also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now I want you to notice something about those temptations. In two of the three temptations, Jesus was tempted regarding showing, or part of the temptation was to show or reveal that he was the son of God. See, here's part of the plan of God, the wisdom of God that was hid from the ages. The devil did not understand the authority of man. The devil did not understand the virgin birth. He did not understand that it was Jesus' body that gave him authority on the earth. And so the devil operated the same way most religious people do, and that is they focused on Jesus being the Son of God. Well, if Jesus was the Son of God, why didn't he do miracles when he was 20 and 25 years old? In fact, the Bible says, Jesus said himself, it's not me doing the works. And the works began only after he was anointed of the Holy Ghost. He was a man who entered this world legally by being born of a woman, thereby gaining authority in the earth that was anointed of the Holy Ghost to perform signs and wonders and miracles on behalf of the people or for the benefit of the people. The devil didn't get that. You know how the Bible says if Satan had known what the end result would be, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory? You know what kept him from knowing? He didn't understand man's authority 
in relation to the human body. He wanted to kill Jesus. He thought if he could destroy his body, then his spirit would have to depart the planet. That part he understood. He'd been around long enough to see what death was. He thought that he would have Jesus once and for all. And I'm sure that was a a high priority for him because every day of Jesus' life, at least the last three years of it after he was anointed of the Holy Ghost, he's operating in righteousness and he's demonstrating the power of God over the devil. Now let's go back to Psalm 82. I'm sorry, Psalm 8. That's where we were in it. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Now, I want you to see that phrase, the son of man. We're so conditioned to think son of man means Jesus. It does not mean Jesus. It will include Jesus because he was the son of man. But that's not what it's saying. He's saying, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and his offspring that thou visitest him? What's he saying? He's saying mankind has authority on the earth. You know, it's a funny thing because the church, by and large, ignores the 60 times that Jesus called himself the son of man and focuses on the five times that he called himself the son of God. Now, there's a reason for that, and you're going to see it in just a minute. It's a religious attitude or a religious spirit. It's an influence of the enemy regarding religion. And it's the same thing that Satan focused on himself when he tempted Jesus. He said, if you're the son of God, he tried to influence Jesus to prove that he was the son of God. And Jesus wouldn't bite. When I consider the heavens... I ask, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the offspring of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. King James says angels. This is the word Elohim. And has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him, mankind, to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put some things under his feet. Are you reading with me? Well, a few things. We're so weak and downtrodden. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're just a worm. Thou hast made him a little lower than the Elohim and has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. What is the works of his hands? The earth and the world system, the kingdom of God that he created that's now been perverted into the kingdom of darkness. But we still have authority. See, one of the things that's always bugged me, and I've never had an answer for it, One of the things that's always bugged me, and I've been guilty of saying it myself, I'd like to be able to go back and get every tape, maybe even in this series I've said it. But we've said man lost his authority to Satan when he fell. He didn't. He did not. The instruction and command of God for man to have dominion over the works of his hands still holds. Man still has authority on the earth. This is after the fall that David is speaking these things by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Man still has strength ordained of God because of the enemy of God, Satan, to be exercised through the the words of his mouth. Well, that hadn't changed. 
That's why the Bible tells us in Genesis 1, 10 times that God said to create the earth. God said, let there be light and let there be a firmament in the heavens and let the dry land appear. He kept saying these things over and over again to show us this is how authority is exercised. It's the pattern that man followed before the fall. It's the same pattern after the fall. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Man still has authority here on the earth. Now I want to show you a couple other scriptures real quickly. I know I'm running out of time, but let me see if I can cover this in a hurry. Look with me to... uh, Well, let's start in Luke chapter 4. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 is when Jesus speaks of being anointed by the Holy Ghost to preach the gospel to the poor and so forth in his own hometown of Nazareth. Let's start in verse 31. It says, after he left Nazareth, they wanted to kill him, but he passed through the midst of them. He came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. He's teaching man has authority. Well, I wish I had the tapes of those meetings. I'd do a better job of teaching it myself if I had those. But that's what he's teaching. They're astonished at his doctrine. They're not astonished at him. Well, I guess we should clarify that. I'm sure they were astonished at him, but they recognized that it was his teaching. He emphasized his teaching, not himself. He's not saying, I've got special authority that nobody else has, which would have been the case if he was operating as the son of God. He's teaching that man has the opportunity to exercise authority. Man never lost his authority over the fall. So they were astonished at his doctrine or his teaching, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Jesus told him, shut up and come out. Let me read to you from Mark chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1. And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains and these chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Now, can I ask you a question? Is the evil spirit motivating this guy to action? We have to assume that he is. Why is the evil spirit worshiping Jesus? Folks, just because a third of the angels rebelled, just because evil spirits work contrary to the will of God, does not mean that they do not recognize who he is and the authority that he holds. But now notice what he says when he falls down at his feet and worships him and cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, thou Jesus, the son of the most high God? Over and over and over again, there are four different times. Well, really three times, two of the gospels refer to the same time. So there are three different separate incidents where evil spirits identify Jesus one and only one way, and that is the Son of God, not the Son of Man. Now notice, let me read the rest of this scripture here because I want you to see something. He cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. 
In one case, the evil spirit says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Have you come to torment me before the time? Or torment us before the time? They recognize who he is. But now, folks, this goes back to the work of the devil and the the lack of knowledge that the devil had about God's plan. The mystery that was hid from the foundations of the earth. The devil thought that it was about Jesus being the son of God. But we know that the Bible tells us in Philippians 2 that Jesus emptied himself of his heavenly power and glory. King James says he made himself of no reputation. It literally means he emptied himself of his divine power and glory. That's why he did not do any miracles until he was anointed of the Holy Ghost. If Jesus was operating on the earth as the Son of God, meaning he was operating in the divine glory that he had as the creator of the universe, why would he need to be anointed for his ministry to begin? And even further than that, who can anoint God? Jesus is the son of God as part of the Godhead. Who could anoint God himself? There's only one possible explanation, and that is for the Bible to be true, that he emptied himself of his heavenly power and glory, that glory that he had with the Father before the worlds were. That was the glory that he prayed that would come back upon him in John chapter 17 after he finished the work of redemption, which means he didn't have it when he was here on the earth. That's why he came to the earth to, be as, to become as a man in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was not sinful flesh because he was not born of a man and a woman. He was born of a virgin by the Holy Ghost overshadowing her. So death did not pass upon him. He bypassed the death that passed upon all men. For this simple reason, so that he could have a flesh and blood body to operate on the earth in authority. Did you ever notice that Satan couldn't even operate in the Garden of Eden unless he took on the body of the serpent? Spirit beings have no right, no place to operate in the earth. That's why evil spirits are seeking to embody humans. flesh and blood body that we've been given is our source of authority it's the vehicle whereby we operate in this earth so these evil spirits said I know who you are you're the holy one Satan said when he tempted Jesus if you're the son of God do these things they thought that it was about being the son of God but it wasn't that's why Jesus identified himself 60 times in the four gospels as the son of man not the son of god only five times did he identify himself as the son of god and three of those are in one setting where he's talking about god being his father being made in the image of likeness of god like all men were So notice what this evil spirit does. Let me read the verse again. I've talked enough to where you've forgotten what it said. Verse 7, Mark chapter 5, verse 7. He cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. This word adjure means to charge. I charge you by God. Get the picture here. An evil spirit is trying to command Jesus to leave him alone because it's not time. What does that mean? Well, let's look at let's take it apart and look at it from a couple of different angles. Number one, it means evil spirits, including the devil, knows that there is a time period or an age that they can operate here on this earth. They operate here in this earth by influencing the minds of humans. If the human yields to their influence and acts according to that which he's been influenced to do, then they gain a foothold. The stronger the foothold, the greater the measure of the operation that the devil can encounter or operate in. All the way up until possession. But they know there's coming a time where their goose is cooked, so to speak. 
They know there's coming a time where they'll be cast into the lake of fire. God has said it. And I want you to get this. The devil believes in God's word more than most Christians. The evil spirit is saying, I know how this is supposed to work. There's a time that I'll be tormented for all of eternity. Nothing they can do about that. No way to escape it. But until that time, I have a right to operate against this human or any other human being. So he calls on God, the righteousness of God, the integrity of God, the truthfulness of God as a reason for Jesus to leave him alone. And Jesus says, shut up and come out. Why? Because he's not operating contrary to God's plan and purpose. He's operating according to the authority that he has as the son of man. A flesh and blood man, spirit man, indwelling a flesh and blood body, anointed by the Holy Ghost. First John 3, 8 says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The word destroy is a little bit unclear to us because we think of destruction as being annihilation. And Jesus did not annihilate the devil. The Amplified says to dissolve, to loosen, and undo the works of the devil. The word literally means to render ineffective. That's why Jesus was here on the earth. Not to torment them before the time, but to break their hold over mankind. The devil thought that it was all about the Son of God. Now, what does the church world do? They think that it's all about the Son of God. It's the influence of the devil. He's learned. He's figured it out by now through experience. But he tries to influence the church world through bringing thoughts and reasonings to mankind to think that Jesus operated under the power that he did because he was the Son of God. If that's the case, none of us can live up to that. So the devil would never, if the devil could convince the whole church world that Jesus operated as the Son of God and not the Son of Man who was anointed by God, then he never has to worry about anybody doing anything similar to the works that Jesus did. But if Jesus operated as a man who was anointed of God, then all he has to do is transfer that authority through the life of God in us so that we can do the same works that he did. Let me close with this. Turn with me over to John chapter 14. You remember I said that if somebody's spirit leaves their body, they have to leave the planet and then they have no actions No way to interact here on the earth any longer. This is what Jesus is telling us about himself. John chapter 14 verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go unto my Father. You know why the Bible makes such a point? Over 65, well, what is it, 73 times in the New Testament, it says we're either in Christ, in him, in whom, or or whatever, talking about being part of the body of Christ. You know why the Bible makes such a point over and over and over again in every book that's written in the New Testament about us being the body of Christ? Because the only way that Jesus has to operate here on the earth is through you. The reason that Jesus appeared in Matthew chapter 28 after his resurrection, verse 18, all power, literally authority, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to all nations, teaching them to observe whatsoever I've commanded you. What did he command them to do? Well, if you look over in Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 10, you'll find out Jesus commanded the disciples to whatever city they went into and the people received them, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, 
cast out devils, and tell them the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. What, are they, what were they commanded to do? They were commanded to bring about the will of God on the earth as it is in heaven. He didn't give them an option. He didn't say, now, if the situation is just right, and if you find somebody with enough faith, or if you feel particularly strong one day, then heal the sick. He said, if the city receives you, heal the sick. Cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead if necessary, and tell them this is part of the kingdom of God. It's come nigh unto you. Well, folks, the kingdom of God has not come nigh unto us any longer. The kingdom of God is within us. So Jesus is saying, the works that I do, truly, truly, I say unto you, the works that I do shall you do also, and even greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. You're the body of Christ in the earth. The devil has been placed under his feet, his meaning Jesus. Well, where, is the, where are the feet? Aren't they at the bottom of the body? They don't have anything to do with the head. Wouldn't that be a weird looking thing to have feet coming out of the head? But that's the way the church world has tried to operate. Jesus is the one with authority. The devil is under his feet. So we need to pray and get Jesus to take, act, take action against the devil. No, he has no authority here on the earth any longer. Except through his body, which is the church. If I was given to run, I'd have a running spell right now. Is this making any sense to you at all? You've been given authority on the earth. You've been given authority because you have a flesh and bone body flesh and blood body Jesus has a flesh and bone body but not a blood body but you do so that means you have authority that's why Jesus said all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth Jesus literally is telling his disciples I'll take care of things in heaven you take care of things on the earth and isn't that exactly what God told Adam in the garden of Eden glory to God Thank God this is dawning on us. Our eyes are being opened. I may teach this till Jesus comes back. I'm not making any promises about ending this series. That's bad news to the tape people. I'd like to buy the authority series, all 256 tapes. (laughs) Let's all stand. I've kept you here long enough. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the fact that we are in Christ. Lord Jesus, you told the 70 not to rejoice because devils were subject to them in your name, but to rejoice because their names were written down in heaven. We rejoice because we are in Christ Jesus. We rejoice because the life of God has changed us has made an exchange, our death for the life of God. But along with that life comes authority. Along with that life comes commandment to do the works of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we are equipped to do the same works as Jesus because we have the same life that Jesus had when he was here on the earth. We indeed are sons of God. And Jesus has authorized us to do the same works. That authorization is the equivalent of the anointing of the Holy Ghost to do the work that he was sent to do. Oh, Father, we rejoice that Jesus left to go into your presence because without that, 
we would not have been given authority to do the same works that he did while he was here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say this after me. I have authority to heal the sick because Jesus healed the sick. I have authority to cast out devils because Jesus cast out devils. I have authority to destroy the works of the enemy to loosen, dissolve, and undo all that Satan has done because that's what Jesus did. I have authority even to raise the dead because that's what Jesus did. Thank you, Father, for the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us into all truth, for leading us to those who we can set free. We thank you, Father, that we have the same boldness that Jesus had to do the works that he did while he was here on the earth. Hallelujah. The greater one lives in me. The greater one lives in me. A greater power than sin, sickness, demonic oppression, even death resides in me. And is ready to be used at the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Boy, we've got something to believe God for our eyes to be open to, don't we? There will come a time when the church will live up to that confession. And that's the church that the Bible says Jesus is coming back for. I'm not so sure how it works, folks. I don't know that there's a set time for Jesus to come back or if Jesus is going to come back when the church subdues the enemy and literally puts Satan under our feet. I'm not sure how it works. We could have something to do with when Jesus comes back. By living up to what he's done for us and literally being the church. Hallelujah. Well, say it with me. I have authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.